Hello everyone, welcome back to the New Hampshire Business Show. My name is Chris Pastrana and today we're here with Scott Graves from Smash Music. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Chris. Thanks for having me today on this rainy but very uh, summery Friday afternoon. <laughs> yeah, rainy and humid summery yeah. <laughs> afternoon. <laughs> so let's get into it. Uh, let's talk about Smash Music and what you do and go from there. Smash Music is a full service, what some people would call a full charge music merchandising business. So we uh, retail, repair, and rent uh, band and orchestral musical instruments. Um, this is a business that's in transition, so we also sell a variety of fretted instruments. Fretted instruments are instruments like guitars and mandolins okay. and banjos and things of that nature. Uh, we also are a music education center, so our physical location at 25 East Broadway in downtown Derry, I've been converting into a much more varied uh, and comprehensive music education center hmm. as compared to the old regime that was there. Um, and uh, something that's, I guess, entirely unique to us uh, is that I converted part of the business over to being a makerspace. And it is a makerspace, or some people might call that a business incubator, that centers on the fine and performing arts. And in that way, we've been able to um, embrace our friends in other mediums of fine and performing arts and offer education uh, offerings that are different uh, than, um, but dovetail nicely with our music uh, education services. Yeah. Uh, and um, doing that, uh, the advantage there being that we help entrepreneurs that might otherwise not be able to afford a traditional lease situation in southern New Hampshire, but uh, at the same time it helps me create an integrated arts environment for people looking to learn uh, under a number of different mediums in the fine and performing arts without having to self-manage all of those programs. Hmm. So those are, you know, there's a lot going on at 25 East Broadway in downtown yeah. Derry, for sure. We also have a number of other things I'm sure we'll get into uh, this morning, uh, but... Um, uh, but that is the sort of uh, fundamentals yeah. behind the business. That's pretty cool. So why music? Is it, do you have a personal history with it as well? Uh, I do. I, uh, I have a, generally speaking, I have a personal um, background in both the fine and performing arts going back to when I was a very young child. It's, yeah. the, it's the realm that I was uh, <laughs> naturally um, gravitated towards. And I'm very lucky. I don't come from a particularly wealthy background, but my parents uh, saw early, early on when I was a very young child that I had a sincere uh, interest and passion in the arts. And they encouraged that from the time I was six or seven years old. And, um, and uh, it did turn into a career. I have a music business degree from the University of Massachusetts Lowell. And I've spent nearly all of my substantive career in the fine and performing arts uh, as either an entrepreneur or an educator uh, and, and a performing artist for much of that time as well. That's pretty cool. So what type of stuff did you do when you were younger? As far as instruments and stuff. Well, uh, so so I'm a uh, what they call a reed man. I, okay. I'm a flute, clarinet, and saxophone player, and and most people, if they saw me come and perform over those decades, would have seen me playing saxophone. Although I did equal parts clarinet and flute, 
And um, uh, for many years, I used to say, I, uh, they, people would ask, what kind of music do you play? And I say, the kind that pays green, <laughs> which is my uh, entrepreneurial way of saying any music, really, that people are willing to pay for. But in all seriousness, <laughs> since this is America, um, this is the melting pot of both people and of culture. And I really, really enjoy the fact that you have a crossroads here culturally of any number of different styles of music. Yeah. And many of which evolved into different forms of American music. So um, I can't think of anywhere else in the world that is a better place to make uh, music, to teach others how to make music. Um, it's also a very challenging place to do that as well. Yeah. Uh, the arts do not get the support that they duly deserve in the um, in the in the general you know country. Uh, but nonetheless, uh, you know all kinds of music. Um, most people knew me uh, as as a commercial player, uh, you know, the top forty in, in popular music of various kinds. Yeah. Uh, at my heart, I'm a jazz musician. If you want to get right down to it, and, yeah. um, and so most of my formal training is both in classical uh, uh, repertoire and in the study of jazz, the the great American music, yeah. the, <laughs> our gift to the world, really. <laughs> I like it. I have zero music talent <laughs> and it always makes me sad because well like it was just a zero developed music talent um i like that better yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. there's no such thing as no no a person that cannot make music yeah and and i totally get that it's just it's something i've never done even though i really really love the idea of it and you know as a semi-professional dancer back in the day, you know, I love music like cool. a lot yeah. mm -hmm. and I love it. I just never been able to play any. You have to <laughs> so. tell me what kind of, what kind of dancing? Uh, Latin ballroom. Cool. Yeah. Okay. So those were my, the ones I performed in. I liked them a lot and I used to teach dance. So I, I totally get the music thing. I've, just, mm. I've always been jealous that I never learned an instrument. <laughs> So, yeah, that's pretty yeah. cool. Well, yeah, I I have to tell you, one of the we have uh, several dance programs in my makerspace, and and I I cannot think of a better way for people to uh, musicians to sharpen their rhythmic skills um, and to come out of their shell. Um, believe it or not, a lot of musicians are very shy and very yeah. uh, a lot of artists in general are very shy, right, about their yeah. expression. Um, but dance is at the heart of music and vice versa so yeah. uh, it's it i can't think of a better way to you know really knock some sense into your rhythmic capabilities <laughs> than to actually get out and you try know, and dance and dance yeah, yeah absolutely yeah yeah that's too funny uh, i like it uh so let's see so you use your you mentioned that you have a lot of different types of businesses that come in so is it like other teachers that just don't have spaces or something like that? Yeah, good question. So, um, so some of it is that. Um, mm -hmm. There is there is uh, right now a heavy emphasis on the members of the makerspace uh, to be, uh, you, you, you know, instructors of some kind. Um, there's a, a, as an example, our um, our primary dance program is, is uh, run by an entrepreneur. Her name is um, Jess, uh, Jen Sasek. I always say Jess, Jen Sasek. Um, it's called All That Sass Broadway Boot Camp. Um, and uh, she targets adult women, although there are some men now that take the program. And really each class is, demographically it's split between um, women who are often doing regional theater here in Southern New Hampshire and other parts of New England and um, wanna brush up 
on their dance skills as part of that, right? Everybody yeah. in that realm of theater, whether it be professional or amateur, wants to be a triple threat. Well, these are people looking to really focus in for a time on their dance skills. The other 50% are simply adult women looking for an exercise routine that is not uh, the gym, yeah. that is not going for a run, uh, that is not, uh, you know, it's a break from the norm, I suppose. Uh, and um, and in this way, um, it the, the class itself is pretty dynamic as far as the, the, the different types of people that come together and get to know one another. Um, that's an example of, of an entrepreneur looking, it's a service-based business. It's, it's, it's an education-based business. Yeah. I have other visual artists that use our, our space for studio space to produce. Uh, they also use it to hang and, and to sell. Um, we also have a former consignment store uh, that uh, did a lot of uh, vintage vinyl LPs, which has become even bigger now than it was 20 years ago, yeah. and, and <laughs> CDs and DVDs, and we have a portion of the makerspace that is dedicated to some of their inventory now that they've had to leave their original location in the Manchester area. Um, so in that way, um, the, the, the story behind that is uh, the, the owner of what was uh, Thrifty's, place called Thrifty's on Candia Road in Manchester, yeah. uh, was looking for a place to have some of his inventory and continue that portion of the business. And uh, for the four years that I've owned um, Smash Music, uh, the, I repeatedly, uh, weekly, uh, get people coming in wondering where the music is. Yeah. <laughs> and I said, well, I'm a music instrument store. And they said, oh, I thought this was a record store. Well, you know, when those people come in now, I send them... Uh, Over there. Yes, yes. <laughs> yeah. find, your, find your way to the front of the makerspace because, in fact, we now have something for them, too. And it dovetails nicely, uh, particularly with our students who are learning different styles of music. And there are many uh, albums that... Um, are not on updated formats and downloads and that kind of thing, and, and uh, it affords them the opportunity to find some of those recordings. Um, and I think in general, people just like to, you know, yeah, browse around like a little. Yeah, you know, it's and 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 of course, if you for those of you that you know own a retail business, this will resonate with you. Even uh, for the people coming in for musical instruments and whatnot, it's not not just another revenue source for both Thrifties and for me as the makerspace uh, owner, but it keeps people in the store longer. And the longer people stay in a store, the more they'll spend. The longer economic development 101, the longer you keep people in a downtown area, the more they're going to need to get some food and they're going to need to go to the bathroom and they're going to be get bored and need to see something exciting. Yeah. Keep people in the general area and, you know, it'll bear fruit. So it helps mm. in that way. And yeah. it's a much better use of the space than, than what was happening in that space prior. Yeah. Absolutely. That's pretty cool. Mm. So I'm going to do a quick break for the sponsors. Everyone, hold on. It's actually kind of funny, kind of getting back to something you had touched on earlier, mm. but how you don't take music and instruments and all that stuff very seriously, or I guess arts in general, very seriously in this country. What do you think that is? Well, I don't think uh, there's any one reason. Uh, yeah. And... Um, but I will touch upon a few of the main salient points behind yeah. that. Um, part of it uh, is the way we uh, see economics mm -hmm. uh, and economic development. Um, 
if uh, you've probably noticed, if you've done any traveling outside of the U.S., that in many parts of Europe, uh, certainly even here in North America, the Canadians compared to the Americans, um, there's a lot more public funding of the fine and performing arts. And you say, why is that so? Um, and why is it less so here? Um, that has a lot to do with our politics. It also has to do somewhat with our culture historically. We, we prioritize uh, fine and performing arts in, uh, in, a, in a much different way, I think. Um, ben Franklin uh, used to say we are a rougher uh, race of people we, we, when he was trying to make the point that you know, the North American colonials were a different nationality, right? Uh, they, they had become different and therefore they needed to separate from England in, in his case. Hmm. Um, so I think that um, some of it is economics. Um, not that we do not have the money in the United States, but we don't want to put a priority on it. Uh, in general, uh, and I, I uh, say this, uh, um, if you look historically, I think uh, history is on my side on this, as countries become more authoritarian in their politics, they typically um, support artists less. What you have to understand is artists, whether they're amateur or considered professional, right? They're well known and they derive some or all of their income from their art, um, are th generally speaking thinkers. And the best art, regardless of medium, asks questions of people. It demands things of people. It scratches certain itches and gets people thinking and hopefully gets people talking and discussing different things. Um, and there are people um, in circles outside of the arts that sometimes have a problem with that, right, um, for various reasons. I think some of it in the United States has to do with that, um, especially recently in maybe the last 30 or 40 years. Um, in my personal experience, more than anything else, it really has to do with the way that the fine and performing arts are funded. Um, getting right down to smash music, and um, music merchandisers all over the country, um, th you, there's two things we need. It's, it sort of gets back to what Henry Ford recognized 100 years ago, and that was um, when he decided, right, that he was going to not make expensive cars for in, you know, the elite, for, for, for the people who can afford a Cadillac or a yeah. Buick or a Stanley Steamer, he's gonna make a, a car that's cheap, and that you can get parts for it easy, and he's going to make his money selling it to millions of people. Uh, he then, uh, at some point, recognized that if he paid his workers enough money uh, and gave them enough time off, he was going to sell a lot more cars. Yeah. <laughs> right? And he, therefore, uh, for many years after that, advocated that people, uh, A, have enough money uh, to buy a car, and uh, B, that they have enough time off to use that car. Um, I, uh, as a music merchandiser of instruments and the repair of instruments and the education services uh, related to selling that product, mm -hmm. I need uh, a strong middle class to have both time and money. Yeah. And that's been reducing since uh, at least the 1970s. The golden age for music merchandising in this country uh, tightly correlates to uh, how much money the vast majority of the general public has and also how much time they have. Yeah. So, uh, and I'll draw this in even further for you, in southern New Hampshire, where uh, so much of our economy um, really uh, uh, relies on the professional class getting up early in the morning and driving south of the border to derive their income. This, um, uh, uh, it's very interesting where we are in Derry, being so close to the border, because 
um, we often find that the people who have the most time to uh, to and, and interest to come to the store sometimes can't afford the products and services we have. Um, the people who can most likely afford the products and services we have often cannot uh, afford the time necessary to to, uh, to interact with us yeah. um, at our physical location. Yeah. Um, We've seriously, over the last four years, thought, uh, you know, well, how many days a week can we staff the store till maybe 11 p.m. or midnight? <laughs> hmm. Because we have a certain amount of people that might uh, participate, uh, and, and now I'm directly uh, speaking to less of the product side, but the service side, yeah. the education side. Because, frankly, they don't uh, hit southern New Hampshire again until 7 or 8 p.m. Yeah. And they do that more than, you know, four or five days a week. Um, people who commute, I, I have people regularly tell me, I commute probably, you know, three to four hours a day daily. Hmm. So that's a challenge, right? Yeah. And this is probably nothing new. I mean, you know, people in, in New Hampshire have been off talking about how do we retain people, you know, stateside? How do we keep them here? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, not just to live, but to work as well. Um, so if we solve that problem, that's really good for me. <laughs> yeah. Hearing that in Concord, that'd be really good for Smash Music and people like me. <laughs> yeah, it's actually funny, kind of off topic, but have a politician coming in after you, uh-huh. and uh, so that's some of the things we're going to be discussing later on. So <laughs> it's it's a hot topic right now, right? You know, yeah. how do we retain particularly young people? Yeah. Well, how do we retain them because they're even if they come to school here, they're leaving afterwards. Mm-hmm. Um, and and again, most of the, the issues you, you bring up some great questions so far, and none of them have a simple answer. No, nope. they're clear answers. But they're multifaceted, mm-hmm. and we have to attack the challenges, I think, simultaneously, yeah. but in measured ways. Uh, uh, but if we do do that, these are all man-made problems, by the way. So this is why you know, entrepreneurs should never give up hope, because we can always solve them. They might take a generation or two, but we can solve these issues. You know? Yeah, and actually, the whole reason, one of the big reasons I started this show is to address the issue of people moving out who are in the, like, film industries yes because um, that's a direction the show is going to be moving down in the future so yeah it was we directly started it to kind of eventually create something that people don't have to move to boston or la yes. to be able to do some of that stuff around here so yeah kind of i got your point nice <laughs> so uh so talking about music again since we've been talking politics and a little bit of everything else um i love music i think we've hit on that already and there's just something about, I don't want to say how it makes you feel that it's just, it's good. <laughs> I don't yeah. even know a way to put that elegantly. <laughs> there's there's no, you know, I can only speak for myself, uh, and I'm careful about this because it is it is literally different for everybody. And yeah. I say that because we are all, regardless of whether education addresses this or not or otherwise, you know, we're all, we all filter our own reality through our own set of eyes, our own set of ears, yeah. our own nose, our own mouth, right? Um, it, you know, music, the I, music is just one of many different languages that um, are innate in us, okay? This is why I encourage everybody, you know, people say, oh, you know, I'm tone deaf. You know, there's nobody that's really tone deaf, you, mm-hmm. you know, or I don't have talent. That nobody has talent. Okay, talent is what you know. People see somebody making good jazz music, and improvising, and they say, "Man, that guy's got talent." You know, like, how's he doing that? That's like magic. It's not magic. It's there are hours and hours of practice that go into it. So by the time you see it, 
that person, that that him or her, makes it look like it's magic. Yeah. But it's not magic, and anybody can do it. It's it's like successful business, right? You know, well, you know, how 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 do we separate the successful people from the unsuccessful people? So much of it. I mean, there's definitely skill sets you need, but and you you probably experienced this yourself. A lot of it is that the people who you know quote unquote made it. They're just the people who just never said no. Yeah. You know, they just didn't stop. They had challenges come up. They didn't stop. Their competitors tried to buy them out. They didn't stop. You know, people told them they were crazy to go into that industry. It's a failing business. They didn't stop. And they just kept getting up when their family members, when everybody around them said, you are crazy, they just didn't stop. And after a while, all the other people who did stop fall away and we're left with the refinement, right? The, the the end result, which is a person with a successful business that's got good market territory. Well, the same thing can be said about making good jazz or any other kind of music or any other kind of art form. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think why you know why is that way? It's innate in us. It goes back to when we would you know we would just coming out of the trees. <laughs> you know, people needed to express themselves to each other. Um, as our brains developed, you know, as we became more sophisticated, um, people had to shake their thing, you know, what I mean? they, they, they needed to communicate with each other in a more abstract and in a more beautiful way. And they had a need to just, you know, and, and they had a need to express themselves, you know what I mean? They, they couldn't explain the stars, they couldn't explain the seasons, they couldn't explain the water or whatever, you know what I mean? Yeah. And, 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 uh, and we, we created this whole. We created culture around us to help, you know, deal with that and help explain that. Um, so I, you know, I, I ultimately see music and all other f- forms of art as language. Yeah. And it's a more abstract and more beautiful language. And it's also what's beautiful about it is is that it's there for everybody. Mm-hmm. There isn't anybody who can't participate. You know what I mean? Yeah. And. And we, we live in a very specialized society. So, you know, there's, there's musicians and then there's non-musicians. That, we got to get away from that. Yeah. You know? And one point that I do like that you made is music has a, and it's probably one of the strongest ways to um, bridge differences between cultures. Yes. So, because even though you, know, you might not be able to speak the same language, you might not know anything about how they live, but we understand music, at least in a way that, you can, like you said, you can listen to a, like a singer who doesn't speak your language, but you can still find the music beautiful. You don't know what they're saying, you know nothing about it, but you know it's still, it still touches. So that's, I guess, one thing I really don't like about music mm. is um, no matter who you are, you can listen to someone else's, like their culture almost, and be like, oh wow, like this is really nice. And then you know you kind of get that flow going, which is pretty cool. Well, there's two truly universal languages on earth, right? One's binary code and the other is music, right? Yeah. Um, you can take somebody from India who has come up in the in the classical Indian tradition. Um, and they're the basis of their music, um, theoretically, is something called a raga, okay? Mm-hmm. So it's not a scale, but let's, let's for, for our purposes, you know, it's, it's the closest thing they have to what we call a scale, okay? Yeah. We, and in Western musical tradition, we have various kinds of scales, a little melodic motifs, right, that become the basis of something. Um, well, you know, the, uh, two people 
uh, you know, one from, uh, you know, Southern California and one from the subcontinent can get together. They do not speak a common uh, vocal language that they can understand. And they, they don't even really come from the same harmonic musical language tra traditions, right? Mm -hmm. But yet they can get together and they can find a common ground based on the fact that they're two musicians. Yeah. Okay. So unlike binary code, the one thing binary code doesn't have is um, people uh, don't, of course, all the computer people in the world are going to hear this and say, <laughs> no, that's not true. Uh, you know, I, humans, there's a human approach. There's a humanness. Um, binary code does not speak to our humanity. How about yeah. that? I'll put it that way, yeah. right? So this is this is this is where I even feel the same way about you no know, dance or visual art, whatever, right? We you, we can we can find common ground. Mm -hmm. um, you know, in our art, in our food, right? There's all these ways that we express our humanity. Um, you know, for many years I'd go out on the road. Sometimes uh, uh, we were all white. Sometimes I was one of the few white people, if the only white person in the room. Um, so, mix of colors, um, people from different backgrounds. Some people came from very elite backgrounds. Some people came from nothing. Um, that never came up. We were all musicians. We were all common. Now, occasionally, I'd hear stories from people about their different experiences, and you enrich yourself when you share these stories with people. You know, you become brothers and sisters out on the road, and and um, and teaching together, and performing together, and all that. And but you know, as long as you can make the gig, and as long as you played good enough that you get asked back the next day, none of that other stuff mattered. And if you look in history, this is part of the reason why artists typically. Uh, are at the head of social movements, right? Because, because the only, you know, uh, I mean, Benny Goodman, right? You, you know, he was one of the first white musicians, you know, coming to the hotel and said, well, you know, your guys over there can't stay, can't eat with you. Okay, well, I'm not playing here tonight then, so we'll see you later. <laughs> Get, looks like you need to find yourself a new band, right? I mean, all of that happened because, because through the art medium, through the through, through that, people found their common humanity, and they didn't ask any questions about. Well, you're, he's black, man. We can't have him in the band. Well, you know what? He plays, <laughs> and he makes the gig, so he's he's with us. Yeah, you know, that's powerful, um, and that's one of the things. I, I when we educate children, when we educate young people um, to become successful adults, um, you don't get that in a lot of other activities. Uh, and that is something that's solely missing when you say, well, we don't have the time uh, in the curriculum schedule nor the money, really, to fund arts education. Well, one of the things you're going to miss is, you know, you're going to create a cultural illiteracy amongst your student base. And that's a problem. That's a problem not just for the sake of art, but what we're alluding to right now. That can be a, a social problem, um, especially, you know, when you've got people that are very vocal about separating people and keeping people in groups and stuff like that. Well, when you have moments like that, people who have been uh, brought up to be culturally literate typically ask some serious questions when that stuff is going on. You know what I mean? So we keep, I keep going out on tangents. Man. <laughs> no, it's really fun. So <laughs> that's actually a pretty good space to leave off. Uh, people who want to reach out with you, learn some more, maybe schedule some stuff, how do they get in touch? So uh, you can find us on the web at YourSmashMusic.com. Mm -hmm. There you'll find out all the information on our services. 
Um, you'll find out some retail, especially that of uh, information on our exclusive makers. We have many uh, instrument makers that we deal with globally exclusively, and um, almost all of them are in New England, if not New Hampshire. You'll also find uh, information on our live performances and other types of live events that we have. And again, that's YourSmashMusic.com. The main number for those that prefer calling us on the phone the old-fashioned way is 603-432-7751. Awesome. Thank you for joining me today. It's been Thanks. a lot of fun. Thanks for having me, Chris. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank you guys so much for watching. Uh, we're going to have the last word from our sponsors, and everyone have a great day. That's it for today, everyone, but it doesn't have to end there. Head over to iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or iHeartRadio to get more from New Hampshire's top entrepreneurs.